Hi, I'm Margaret Cho. You're listening to the Monsters of Talk. I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Jim Short. Today uh, we have with us a guest, a very special guest, who is a um, comedian, actress, um, television uh, host, presenter, um, activist, storyteller. Th- this is, we have a lot of mo- multi-hyphenates. So what would you, <laughs> we have Suzanne Huang. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but I usually say I'm just a comedian. What do you say? Like, if you're a multi-hyphenate, what what would you say is your one thing? Well, the thing that people most know me for is House Hunters, mm-hmm. So, but I'm not hosting right now, so mm-hmm. it's a weird question. Well, yeah. Most people know me as a TV host. But, yeah. Um, I'm doing a lot more writing and storytelling and teaching and coaching right now, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I guess I would just call myself a multi-hyphenate. <laughs> Yeah. What is the one, like for me, the one thing that um, resonates the most, I think, is comedy, like stand-up comedy. Like it's the one thing that I go, I think, do you think that's true about yourself, Jim? Like the one truth about, well, the thing, all the things you do, that, that comedian would be it? That, well, that's really all I do, and I'm really not even known for that. Mm. You know what? You know what? That sort of. But yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, I think even whatever you do, when we're primarily comedians, you yeah. is, you do so much. You do so much stuff. But primarily, people are going to go Margaret Show the comedian. They know you yeah. that way. Yeah. But yeah. there's a whole million other things that you do. But you know. That's... But I think my favorite thing to say when someone asks, "What do you do?" Mm-hmm. Depending on who the person is, I like to say, "I'm a stand-up comedian," just because people are, yeah. are really impressed and amazed and surprised even though you have existed for how long in this world people still i think don't think oh asian female i bet she's hilarious (laughs) do you know what i mean no but uh, yeah it's just like it's like a thing it's like um it's an unexpected profession for an asian american woman yes but at the same time it is kind of uh, i always think it's actually perfect because most of, oddly enough, most of the Asian American women that I know are pretty outspoken and pretty um, yes. astute about things. Yes, in my family and beyond. But and I so. think it makes perfect sense. I think that you know we we've heard of black rage, but I think nothing scarier than yellow rage of Asian <laughs> women who have yeah. been suppressing their rage oh. for their whole lives because they've been taught to. Yeah, and that we're walking time bombs. And one day, you know, I remember being when I lived in New York City, um, some some guy walked by me on the sidewalk and said to me right to my face hey china doll sit on my face oh my god and i <laughs> and i felt like it was possible that 10 minutes later i would have woken up on top of his bloody corpse because yes. i had just you know what i mean that's yeah. not it's not okay yeah and i just snapped yeah. yeah and i think that for a lot of comedians it's a way of venting and channeling mm-hmm. anger about different things did but- you say anything to him no, not at the time. This was before I was a comedian. Mm-hmm. I was so I saw red and I became paralyzed. Because I think it was a protective mechanism. Yeah, yeah. Because if I had started to speak, I think I might have mm-hmm. physically harmed well, you don't him. Know, you don't know what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 I think yeah. I wouldn't have. Oh, you might have harmed him. I hope. I wish. I wish he'd have been harmed. I know. I hope, I'm I know. hoping somewhere he is harmed. I know. But he is. He's already harmed mentally. Well, they, first of all, I'm thinking I'm not even Chinese, so that's not. <laughs> at least I know. Get a right. Korea doll. Yeah, there's got to be a. I remember when I was in junior high school, I never (laughs) knew I was Asian in junior in elementary school because you know how kids tend to just play with each other and not care. It wasn't until junior high that Henry Jackson called me a chink, Mm. and I Mm. got really upset and I went, 
I didn't even know what that meant, but mm-hmm. I, I knew that that didn't sound nice. Right. So I asked my parents, and then the next time I saw him, I said, I'm not a chink, I'm a gook. Get it right. Right. Right? If you're going to slur yeah. me, yeah. use the right word. Yes, yes. But I wouldn't even be a comic if it weren't for you, honestly. Wow. Um, I remember how thrilling it was the first time I saw you do stand-up, and I thought... And I'm older than you are. Mm -hmm. You're a pioneer, younger Mm -hmm. than I am. But I was thinking, oh, my God, what is she doing? This is great. (laughs) That's great. Like the first time I saw Connie Chung uh, on television Uh doing the news. And I thought, oh, I could do that. And then you're doing stand-up, and I thought I could do that. And the first time I met you was a long time ago. It was 1998. Mm -hmm. I was co-hosting a show called New Attitudes on Lifetime. I only did it for, I think, a year. And you came on as a guest. I remember being super nervous and reverent and going up to you and saying, hi, Margaret, I'm Suzanne Wong. I'm a big fan of yours. And you just really, you you just looked right at me and said, I'm a big fan of yours too. And I thought, what? How's that possible that you would even know who I was? Well, you know, you get a sense of people around that are like um, doing your your work also. So like I always go, oh, well, we're all doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I I admire you and I'm so grateful that you said yes to the show. And it's it's amazing, though, how few Asian American female comics there are. I mean, let's see, like there's us, Uh there's... um, I think you've had them all on just about... Yeah, there's uh, Jenny and uh, Atsuka from a Disoriented Comedy, the young, real young girls. Then there's um, Tamayo Otsuke, who we haven't st- spoken to yet, but she's a she, she's a pioneer too. Really, really was really great. Um, then you know, there's just a few people here and there, but th- there there's more men, I think. Yes, now. definitely. Um, but it's hard. It's weird. I, I think our our our. Uh, character profile socially anthropologically it makes sense that we would be comedians because it's like we're like the snide voice in the corner we're sort of like the the powerless voice that actually has a lot of power yeah you know um asian american women and but like my families or whatever we 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 do have sort of like the underneath the sort of the underdog power which is i think what a stand-up comedian power is yeah and i also think that so many funny Asians tend to be Korean. I have this theory of that because I think that Mm. Korea is the little Asian country that all the bigger Asian countries pick on and oppress. And so it's part of the culture we have to use humor to rise above in Mm -hmm. the same way that that happens in Jewish culture and in black culture. How humor is such an important component yes you get a bunch of koreans in a room they're usually all laughing i don't know about your experience no it's true we we we, i think have the most um well we have the most intense drinking culture so we we actually consume more alcohol than the british isles which (laughs) makes me really proud can you imagine isn't that incredible so we're we're the we're the lusty, loud, loud ballsy, dr- funny, drinking, drinking right? Um, oppressed, angry. Yes, um, I think so. It's it, it is like a it, it's a nation that really lends itself to stand up comedy, and then the other half of it is is under dictatorial rule. Right. So there's a lot of things that you know we can go. But hey, Bobby Lee makes is sense. Korean and. Mm-hmm. Henry Cho, yes, John Cho. There's a lot of Cho's. A lot of Cho's. Well, it's almost like a Smith. It's like a Smith or a. I don't know. Jones. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> Maybe even more common. I'm also Who knows? interested too in the etymology of words. For example, the word gook. Because mm-hmm. um, it used to be used to hurt me and then I started to overuse it because I figure you can take the power away from a word mm-hmm. by overusing it. So I started signing my emails, yours gookly or in gooks we trust <laughs> yeah. or America's favorite gook. And Aww. my friends would say, what's up, my gook? And so now it could cute. just sound adorable and it's not yeah. possible to hurt me with it. But yeah. I remember thinking Chinese are called chinks. Japanese are called Japs. 
Koreans are called gooks. I don't know. How do you get that word? So I looked it up. One of the theories, which makes sense to me, is that during the Korean War, the Koreans would say to the American soldiers, Miguk. Because mm. in Korean, miguk means, are you American? Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. American soldiers thought they were saying, mi gook. Oh, like, yeah. Like, me, Tarzan, you, Jane, mi yeah. gook. Yeah. So they just started saying, okay, hi, gook. Yeah. Oh. And it stuck. Yeah, yeah. But what I don't like is that uh, by the time they got to the Vietnam War, I guess the soldiers got lazy. Mm-hmm. And they just pointed at them and said, you guys are gooks too so we, yeah. we're sharing our slur with, with other enemies that doesn't seem yeah right. we should at least get our own we should get our own L- lazy it? racism is exactly the worst. Yeah. the worst at least put some damn effort into it <laughs> what would be um yeah like w- we should think of other, well there's zipper head i don't remember where that's which war that and there's is from. bucket head and slope head oh bucket head oh and slope there's yes. there is Sis. um a database of i think 70 pages of racial slurs if you look it up Ooh. on the internet and most of them I've never even heard before. Yeah. But the fact that there's 72 pages in the English language of racial mm-hmm. slurs is sort of... That's intense. That's intense. <laughs> it is. That's intense. So, like, what made you decide that you wanted to be a comedian? Like, what, when, and when did you decide? Well, uh, I didn't really decide. What I'm an adrenaline junkie, so I've been skydiving and hang gliding and bungee jumping. Ooh, and yeah. I'll, I'll do anything once to sort yeah. of have the experience and cross it off my list. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of like that. Um, it began because I saw that you existed, honestly. That Ooh. was the first thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's possible for me. There's a Korean-American woman out there doing it. I could do it. But I was in acting class at the Beverly Hills Playhouse. Um, and they would encourage us occasionally to create our own material, not just come in and, and yeah. do monologues or scenes that other people wrote. And some people had gone up and done stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. They just tried it out. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I'll try that out. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a shot. And then I'll cross it off the list. Yeah. So um, I, 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 I poked my head out. I thought I was going to vomit before Ooh. I did this because I thought, oh, it's possible that they'll all just stare at me. Yeah. I came out with my hand over my mouth all demure and bowing mm-hmm. and then broke out of it immediately and went, yeah, right. And then I started to tell <laughs> stories about, um, I could write a book called Stupid Shit People Say to Asian Women because mm-hmm. I know I, I look like this, but I was born in Virginia. Yeah. I grew up watching the Brady Bunch and the Partridge family mm-hmm. and I've traveled all over the US. So I used to host a show Tom Bergeron, I don't know if you know him. Yeah, of course he, he was. Uh, of course you do. Yeah. So he was um, one of the hosts of the show Breakfast Time on FX, mm-hmm. and I was one of the four road warriors who went all over the country interviewing people. And so I've been to every state in the U.S., which means I've met lots of people. Mm-hmm. And so people who would look at me and say, oh, your English is so good. Uh-huh. I'm thinking... <laughs> Thanks, I learned it in Virginia, asshole. Yeah. By the way, I'm Asian, I'm not deaf. I don't know right. why you're shouting. Yeah. Or um, in North Dakota, Suzanne, how does that dry cleaning process actually work? <laughs> and you look just like Yoko Ono. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, asking me to teach them karate or mm-hmm. if I really eat dog or yeah. on and on and on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it just sort of, it, it astonished me all the stupid things. So I did a whole thing, rant about different things that people have said to me and Becoming them. Mm-hmm. And people started cracking up. Yeah. Oh, you're Korean. Do you know Kim? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're besties. <laughs> yeah. Just astonishing. But what happened was the teacher said, okay, this is great and it's smart and you should go out there and, and do it in the world. And I thought, no, no, not where people here know me and it's safe. Mm-hmm. I'm not going somewhere where people are drunk and they're heckling me and they paid. And he said, the only thing I would tell you is, 
uh, that you, first of all, you have to do it, but why not embrace the stereotype of Asian women that you hate so much? Mm -hmm. And I thought, wait, what? No, no. I'm proving to everyone that I'm nothing like that. Yeah. And he said, but don't you know whatever you resist persists? You're spending so much energy proving that you're nothing like that in any way that you're still at the effect of it. What mm. would happen if you embraced it as part of your diverse artistic palette just to see what happens? Yeah. And I got really angry and I thought, I'm going to plot his death and I'm going to quit <laughs> acting class. But then the next day I thought, it's crazy to take a class and not even try what the teacher says. Yeah. And try it fully. Mm -hmm. So the next day I thought, all right, I'll do something and then I'll decide that he's an asshole and I should quit class. <laughs> and the next day, uh, you know how the British actors will work outside in? Sometimes if they have the right outfit or the mm -hmm. right hat or the right prop, that will yeah. inform their character. So I thought, I'll go to Koreatown because from the inside, I don't want to do this mm -hmm. exercise because all he said was embrace the stereotype. So I decided to go to Koreatown and I bought the full-length pink shiny hanbok uh -huh. and I put it on and I put on the those rubbery canoe-shaped yeah. oh, uh, yeah. shoes and a Korean fan and I put my hair in a ponytail and I just stood in my house wearing mm -hmm. the outfit, still livid mm -hmm. about this because I didn't want to do it. But I just patient, I'm not patient usually, I just patiently waited until an idea came to me and suddenly the idea came to me, what if she were a stand-up comedian? Mm -hmm. What if she were fresh off the boat from Seoul, South Korea? What if she was bad at it? Mm -hmm. What if she did it all wrong and didn't write her own jokes and didn't even realize she was saying racist things or mm -hmm. offensive things because English isn't her first language. Yeah. And what if she were naive and innocent? And what if, if it doesn't go well, she would cry on stage or, mm -hmm. or have a tantrum or go home and kill herself? And then I started to get excited because now I was doing um, a, a satire on racism and stereotypes right. mm -hmm. and prejudice in America. Yeah. Like Archie Bunker's character mm -hmm. in All in the Family. The point wasn't everybody be more like this. The point was... That's a real three-dimensional person. Let's shine a light on it mm -hmm. and get a discussion going. Yeah. And I also wanted her to be dichotomous because the typical Asian woman, Korean woman, fr fresh off the boat, doesn't have the balls to get up on stage. She would be mm -hmm. cowering in the back. Mm -hmm. And I gave her a temper so she would boss people around about how to react to her yeah, jokes. And then, and then I started to get really excited. And then, um, and then I... I decided also to study stand-up comics and what makes a, a really good stand-up comic and then do the opposite. For example, stand-up comics usually run out on stage with lots of energy and start talking immediately. So mm -hmm. she is nervous and shaking and spends, spends forever sort of setting up mm -hmm. the scenario so people are getting really So it's almost like the mm -hmm. whole thing is more like a, a, it's like a theater piece. Yes. Like you're coming at it from the character. It is. Yeah. It is. That's and because cool. I was acting for a long time before I did it, mm -hmm. it's not, um, I'm not winking at the audience or doing doing some caricature. Yeah. I was I'm really playing yeah. fully playing a character. And yeah. and then I started doing that in in comedy clubs and I, it shocked me that then I won the Las Vegas Comedy Festival's up and coming comedian award where they give you mm -hmm. a trophy. I had never gotten a trophy in my life because you don't get a trophy for being valedictorian. No. You get a trophy for being a jock or something right. in school and I was never a jock, so I had a trophy. And then the New York Comedy Festival had the Andy Kaufman Award mm -hmm. competition. And every time I would do this act, people would say, 
it's like Andy Kaufman. Yeah, because it is like a character. It's a character like Latka like, on yeah. Taxi yeah. if he were to do stand-up. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, so that's how it all began, and I never expected to have... I thought it was going to be one thing in class once to cross right. off my bucket list, and then it became then a it just, thing. But you, you, be, you became like, oh, this is yeah. this is something I have to keep, keep yeah, doing. Yeah, to keep doing. And yeah. then I started to do stand-up also as myself. So mm-hmm. there were times, and there's still times, and I might do this in an upcoming show, where I come out on stage as my son Park character, then go off stage, have somebody do a little time while I take the outfit off, mm-hmm. and then I come on oh. as myself. At, like I'm, that's cool. I'm Sunghee Park's cousin, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And I think it all came from honestly, and maybe this is true for you too. Um, so many stories about my mom. Anytime I would talk about my mom to people, mm-hmm. first of all, my mom, my dad's really funny and good at telling jokes. My mom can't tell a joke to save her life, mm-hmm. so that was funnier to us. So my mother, right. we'd say, "Mom, tell a joke," and she'd go, "Oh, oh, mm, because priest you know, and the oh, oh, they, they, uh, no, wait, no, wait, no, 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 rabbi no. and the I, I go to get the wait a minute, wait a minute, oh, wait a minute. and then and then because <laughs> because uh, he was too fat, ha ha ha, and the, yeah. what? I know, they, and the yeah, punchline is laugh. too soon. They always laugh at their own jokes. We go, I was, and, I, I missed up I because know. I was left, right. And then I, I forgot. I don't know order. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I forgot. Tell daddy to tell us again. <laughs> and then she has to start. Again. And she gets all flustered, and we're laughing so yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. And we said, "Okay, tell another joke, mom." It's so because, funny. And then I remember one time. I don't know if you reached this point with your mom. There was a, an age at which my mom decided I was her buddy now, mm-hmm. her friend instead of her daughter. Yeah. So she wanted to have certain topics of conversation be mm-hmm. on the table that were okay. Anyway, at one point she calls me uh, and my sister over to her and she goes, Susie, Judy, come here. And then she wants to tell us what the childbirth experience was like. Oh, her, really? That's right? cute. And she goes, you two guys ruined my vagina. <laughs> and then she points to it in, in a circular Yeah, <laughs> That's so funny. You ruined, <laughs> you ruined my vagina. And we're vagina. thinking, ew, mom, we don't want to imagine what your vagina used to look like. Mm-hmm. And we certainly mm-hmm. don't want to know what it looks like now that it's ruined. <laughs> and you chose to have us. And I like that she's being cool. She's yeah. being like. You two guys ruined my vagina. I'm going to break it down. But like, that's, yes. that's a hard thing to hang on somebody too. Like you, yeah, you ruined. We it. did that. Yeah. I'd point mm-hmm. to the husband and go, "You, you he ruined it." Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's but, hilarious. But I love that you play both characters on stage too. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like Korean Hannah Montana. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's hilarious. Exactly. Yeah. That's great. That's really good. I mean, it, you know, I think it's like a, it's a, it, 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 I think Korean women need more parody. They need more satire and more of a light sh- shining on them because they really are hilarious. Yeah. So it's a good thing. And I like all the different things that you're talking about, the different roles to play. And, and uh, you know, I think for us, it's just about figuring out what that identity is, you know, and commenting on it. It's a very empowering thing. You know, I, I, I think the reason I did comedy in the beginning is just, I just wanted to stop being a child and have some control over my life and also to have some sense of the future because my family never laid it out for me. They they were so interested in education, but they never gave me an idea of like, what could I be beyond in school? You know, so oh, it was never. I thought that the Korean handbook was doctor, lawyer, engineer, professor, well, and everything else was unacceptable. Uh, my family, for some reason, they felt like doctors were really unacceptable. Um, really, they thought, they thought it was. They had an idea of it in the way that 
people thought about blacksmithsmithing before that it was somehow a dirty profession. Isn't that weird? They wow. didn't really were not into the medical like, profession. Like dirty, like you get well, you're definitely going to get your hands dirty. But yeah. you mean like a tainted, a dirty tainted, kind of yeah, thing? almost like um, you know, is a caste system. So really? they were not into that. I don't know what they had in mind for me, but they, I think, because I was a a girl that they, they just never thought that I would ever kind of amount to anything. I feel like that's a, sort of a thing in my generation or the my generation wow. of women, young girls, they, they were sort of not encouraged to do a lot. I remember <laughs> it, seeing the Joy Luck Club and the girl babies would just be left by the tree yeah. to die because they were useless. Totally. And totally. I'm thinking, I don't, I don't understand. How do you think your, the, your race will continue to propagate yeah. if there's only boys i don't know i don't understand i don't know why why they think that that's that's the right thing to do but i don't know but it, it is in in i think korean culture it's it's far more subtle than that you know because like for the daughters in my family all the girls in my family we all had like eating disorders and like severe like like suicide issues and stuff because um they were never as uh, coddled as the boys. Like all the boys in my family were just like treated like kings, like little royalty. And, the, and the, were you treated poorly or just ignored? Ignored and also kind of, um, we were sort of a servant class. So we, we, we you know, all the girls would like, oh, would be part so not- of the staff. But then that's all- even worse, isn't it? Than being <laughs> screamed at. Right. Just to be sort of staff dismissed. But then um, oddly, like later on, I look back and like, look at like the sort of t- career trajectories of all the women and the men in my family and stuff. And then the women are always making more money, always like way more successful business wise. And I think it's because we had to work for everything that, you know, mm. we just learned that ethic. So, and was there a particular female comic that you would watch and think I'm doing that because oh, I she's really, doing well, that. I really wanted to be like Paula Poundstone. And I, I think, mm. you know, she was my hero, like in terms of like style and just brilliance. She, she was just so good. Um, brilliant. So brilliant. I've it, seen her in, I used to, have you performed in Provincetown? Oh you yeah, must yeah, have. yeah. 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 So I've seen her there and just, I'd sit there and just with my Amazing. jaw dropped. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and truly, still, still, really, um, not not fully recognized for her ability. That's I true. Think she's she's got a lot of other stuff happening, but it, it's not. Uh, it, it's it's it's. I don't know. It's unacknowledged genius, but I think she's really, really profoundly genius. And what was your first stand up experience ever? Um, I did. Well, there was a couple of. There were a few different ones. Once was at a school in my high school. I was probably like thirteen or fourteen, and I did a set for like my class um but then i started doing sets at the rose and thistle which is a comedy club that was above my parents bookstore in san francisco so they had an open mic that was like literally steps away from me that i could go to um, and do you remember anything from your first set um i remember doing really well and i remember um thinking you know well this is kind of a fun thing but then when i got off st- stage brian funnigan who was like the who he ran that club he um he had a thing for Asian women. So he booked me pretty much like for the next like five years or whatever. So, but he, you know, he's definitely like interested anyway, but then it was like not for my comedy, but then like it worked out. And okay. it, did it become a relationship? No, no, no. He was far, he was far older than me. And I, I mean, I, I couldn't have, I was like, like 14, oh. <laughs> but, um, didn't stop anybody from trying. There was a lot of that. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, it was just a good thing to, uh, kind of just go back to and I just really fell in love with it I loved comedy have you had a lot of yellow fever Asian fetish oh yeah yeah totally because I have big boobs (laughs) 
So I'm the ultimate. Damn it. <laughs> It's not you fair. Have big boobs also. It's I like have one and a half boobs because I had tit cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm totally cancer free now. I had stage yes. four breast oh. cancer. Congratulations. I know. That's it, great. And honestly, I will tell you that my ability to approach it with a sense of humor and speak about it and do stand up about it and make yeah. fun of it had everything to do with I'm sure. being able to heal That's from great. it. So you did material about it. I did so. material about it. Yeah, I would get on stage and say, hi, I'm Suzanne, and I have cancer. Yay. And people would go, what? <laughs> this is back when I had it. Oh and, then I, and then I would make them say, hi, Suzanne, as if we yeah. were in some sort of 12-step mm. yeah. meeting. And then I would say, um, I, have, I don't just have cancer. I have stage four cancer. But don't worry about me because I'm making cancer my bitch and fisting it in the ass. Yay. <laughs> Yay. And then I talk about my journey because I've had multiple surgeries on my left breast. And so now it's all sort of, um, it's deformed and asymmetrical. And it looks, you know, my my boobs look like a Picasso woman's face's eyes. All just, you know, sort of, sort uh-huh. of weird. Uh-huh. But I say... Um, I'm going to call my sitcom One and a Half Tits. Oh. It's or funny. my memoir might be My Left Tit, where Daniel Day-Lewis could play mm-hmm. the starring role. Mm-hmm. That's funny. <laughs> anyway, I just, I also, when I first got the call in 2006 that the doctor said your test came back positive for mm-hmm. breast cancer, I said, wow, this is going to be great material for my stand-up act someday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. she said, excuse me? And I said, Tragedy plus time equals comedy, so this yeah. is going to kill. Yeah. That was actually my response. That's good. And she was really confused mm-hmm. by that and said, you have to get in here right now. And But it's powerful to say that I can heal myself by doing this. And yes. that, 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 that's a great, great thing. But I did have it three times in six years, and it went to stage four, and I tried all these different things. And it was a crazy journey. But I do have to say that in addition to all the different Western and Eastern and alternative and holistic and revolutionary things, and I changed my lifestyle, I think the thing that really made it so that I started to get better because it is a miracle that I'm still alive. Yeah. I was given yeah. very little time to live um, three, yeah. year, three years ago. Um, was everyone I know who has or had breast cancer, every woman um, has had a history of uh, taking care of and rescuing and saving and helping and fixing everyone else mm. around them and yeah. not taking care of herself. Yeah. Because breasts are about nurturing. Yeah. So if you have breast cancer versus another kind, it's there's some way that you are not nurturing mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. And I realized it wasn't that I was on the bottom of my list. I wasn't even on yeah. my list. Before cancer, I would sleep three hours a night, eat at McDonald's, never drink water, never meditate, never... Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would just not... I wouldn't exercise. Mm-hmm. I just didn't take care of myself. Yeah. But if anyone else wanted me to do something for them, I was there yeah. 100% until I would collapse. Mm-hmm. And wow. eventually it turned into... So I had to learn to slow down, to uh, get really humble and throw pride and ego out the window and let people know that something was going wrong with me. Yeah. I kept it a secret for the first five years. Oh my God. From, oh, really? from almost everyone except for my closest people because you know I feel like there's this expression I've learned in 12-step rooms we are only as sick as our secrets Mm -hmm. I feel like in Asian culture we are told to it's shameful to talk about right Right, totally about your stuff that's going on in your life or air your dirty laundry in public Mm -hmm. that's disgusting and low class Mm -hmm. which is why you know especially for an Asian woman it's a big deal to go on stage as a comedian oh yeah and I thought I I should be ashamed that I have cancer it's not 
imperfect. I, mm-hmm. I'm a failure. I should figure out how to cure it. Mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed, you know, and, and I just didn't talk about it. And when I finally decided to come out of the closet and do a press release and, you know, start speaking about it, and I did an NBC News interview, um, I got this tsunami of love and support and and everybody started to come into my house. There would be 20 friends at my house. Everyone who I thought was my friend really was. Mm-hmm. And and that's an amazing thing to find yeah, out. That's great. And you find out what you're really made of. But people came over and they said, and they didn't come over begrudgingly. They came over happily saying, you've been jipping us out of half of a friendship. Mm-hmm. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, when we aren't doing well, we tell you. And you yeah. rush in and love us back to life. And that's phenomenal. But yeah. you know how great that feels. When you're not doing well, apparently you don't tell yeah. anybody. Yeah. And we don't get the, the chance to reciprocate. Mm-hmm. So people would be in my house bringing food or bringing funny movies over or rubbing my feet or scrubbing the floor or walking my dog bonsai. Mm. And at first, honestly, it was unbearable. I would just sit there and bawl yeah. because it was so hard to mm. to let that in. Mm. So it felt like my heart got cracked open and I had to start letting yeah. stuff in. And that's when I started to get better. I mean, is wow. that is that what self-care is? What is self-care? Because like, I'm like con- confused also now about self-care. What does self-care actually look like? What, is it, well, what does it mean? What like, it looks like is, uh, is twofold, actually. One of the things means that I have to make sure that I'm okay before I'm giving to anyone else. Mm-hmm. And I can give from my overflow, meaning I've slept enough, I'm eating healthy, I've exercised, I'm drinking water, mm-hmm. I'm laughing, I'm playing, I'm, I'm saying no when I mean no and setting yeah. healthy boundaries for myself. Mm-hmm. That's that's one aspect of it, so that I'm taking care of my own basic self the way I would if I had a child. Yeah. I would make sure the child's basic needs were met mm-hmm. first. And then to tell the truth, not to everybody, but you know, just to, to let the closest people to me and my first circle know when I'm not doing well. Mm-hmm. When I'm maybe I'm feeling like I don't want to live anymore. Maybe I'm feeling depressed or angry or struggling with something, mm-hmm. or I'm sick. Yeah. And I need help mm-hmm. instead of just suffering in solitude and silence, mm. yeah. which is part, I think, of Asian culture. If you, you know, you just sort of isolate and keep it a secret and keep that. No, everything fine. Everything, everything perfect. Don't every, worry. No, it's OK. Right. It's OK. No, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's fine. But it, it's, yeah. it's also like, a, I think, a stand up thing and maybe a performer thing in general. We don't even though you can talk about it and I think that was later right on stage you talked about it yes there is that thing of like I'm not gonna let anyone in and let anyone know because we are sort of a bit closed off and Mm -hmm. we don't tell people right about that you know whatever is bad that's going on and you can say things on stage and it's palatable because you're using humor with it but then Mm -hmm. and then people think oh maybe she's okay Mm -hmm. but to actually reach out and say I'm not okay I can't there was a time when I spent three months I've had back surgery and hip replacement surgery and multiple breast surgeries. I had some radiation, an oral form of chemo, and a gazillion different alternative holistic Eastern treatments too. Mm -hmm. But there was a time period where for three months I was in bed, horizontal, couldn't move. Wow. I couldn't even get up to go to the bathroom after one of my surgeries, Mm -hmm. after hip replacement surgery. So I I had two choices. Either I could piss and shit in my bed Mm because I can't move or I could call somebody Mm -hmm. and say you know what I need I need help yeah remember the time I took you to the airport (laughs) (laughs) it's payback time (laughs) and yeah and people came rushing in It, it was it was it was such a moving experience in fact um 
after one of my surgeries, I couldn't, after back surgery, I think it was the back surgery, you can't bend uh, forward more than a 90 degree oh. angle, you know. Yeah. So, so um, my girlfriend Priscilla came over once and she shaved my legs because I couldn't do it. So she knelt at my feet in the bathroom and really gently shaved my legs. And it was so intimate that I started bawling Aww, because yeah. do you know what I mean and she nice. was doing it really carefully yeah, but, but it's such an intimate thing and I can't do it for myself but she's yeah. going to do it yeah it's wonderful and it just uh, anyway it was it was amazing too when I started to talk in public about and then uh, one of the things that I would do on stage is um, here's what they look like now and for about five seconds I would flash my uh-huh. tits and one of them is you know sort of fucked up mm-hmm. but I would do it in this way that I have no intention of getting it fixed with plastic surgery to look quote unquote perfect right because I've decided that I can redefine what's beautiful and feminine and sexy and I never thought I would do that as just a thing in life because that's just not my thing Uh but I realized this isn't pornography this is political and yeah it's powerful powerful yes and so what happened was I thought that after talking about cancer on stage that people with cancer or people who know people with cancer would want to talk to me. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be a way bigger thing than I even realized that people would run up to me after a show and say, "Um, I'm infertile and Mm -hmm. and I I never talk about it Mm -hmm. and we don't talk about it. Or um, I have AIDS Mm -hmm. or my brother raped me when I was five. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, what's happening right now? Like everyone has these things that yeah. they're holding in right. that they don't want to hold in anymore. And if they're getting any sort of vicarious courage or permission to start talking about stuff mm-hmm. because of me talking about my journey with cancer, then that feels like, you know what I mean? That yeah. was all worth it yeah, yeah. to go through that and then talk about it's it. It's really great. Well, because everybody doesn't have that skill, though. That is the one thing that comedians have. And that's what... Because sometimes people don't know what to say to you if you're sick either. True. And if you make fun of it first... And yes. Go, here's the here's the shit I find funny about it. Yes. And you may not find it funny, but I do because I'm yes. going through it. And even though it's the worst thing, I still go, this shit's funny. And let mm-hmm. me tell you about it. Yes. Other people don't have that skill to laugh at it. And right. and that is probably one of the big reasons why you have such a positive uh, thing about it. Because you can look at it. You can. We all have that thing. All comedians have that thing of like, we can laugh at the worst shit. Yes. To ourselves and with ourselves. And we yeah. probably never tell other people some of the stuff we right. laugh at. But when you're That's going true. through it. Uh, and, and other people watching you, you are sort of, yeah, that you are their sense of humor almost yes and giving them permission to first of all talk about it at all yeah Yeah. and secondly to know that i can have a sense of humor about it but Mm -hmm. i did have to i wrote my first ever rap song was about my rant towards people who would say stupid shit to me Mm -hmm. when they found out i had cancer Uh yeah Uh, especially unsolicited advice yeah from people one, one of the things that happens when you get cancer is you start to feel really out of control and you you want to feel empowered to make Mm -hmm. your own choices yeah so the last thing you want after being told you have cancer is for people who've never had cancer who aren't in the medical profession in any way Mm -hmm. start telling you what you know you should do (laughs) you know so i did a whole rant because people would say you know you're you're too skinny you should eat and Mm -hmm. or or, there's this mushroom tea i don't know if you know about it if you just drink it then Mm -hmm. you'll be fine yeah. and I'm thinking I went to Yale and Brown and I'm the one with cancer you yeah. think that I haven't done right. tons of my own homework to yeah. figure out what I could do but 
I, I do have to say there was this one thing that astonished me on Facebook. Somebody wrote, after I came out of the closet on Facebook about the cancer journey, some guy wrote, you wouldn't have cancer if you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal what the savior. Fuck? Why? And I, I cut and pasted that, put it on my uh-huh. post, and I, underneath I, I wrote, this is why people hate Christians. Yeah. Because. That's mm-hmm. so ridiculous. What are you talking about? Yeah. So there's never been a Christian who's had cancer? What are, you, <laughs> what are you talking about? And by the way, he didn't even ask me. He just assumed and said, yeah. you know, that's that's what's going on that's with crazy. you. That's crazy. And in the in the rant, I basically say, um, if you really want to help me, you can ask me what I've tried. Ask me what I'm doing now and how I feel inside. Ask what I believe in and not how much I weigh. Ask what you could say or do to help me out today. And if you listen to my answers before you spew your words, they'll come across like diamonds instead of little turds. <laughs> so if I bite your head off, please don't take offense. But some things that you say to me are lacking common sense. I'm grateful for your love, so don't think that I'm a cunt. But, you know, having cancer has made me really blunt. You know what I mean? That's great. Blah, blah, cancer, blah, blah. Yeah. Right? Because well, people, people, people don't ask, what, what do you need? Or what can I yeah. do? Or what can I say to help? They just say stupid, yeah, shit. stupid shit. They also expect can or any patient to basically be frail and sit back and and only need your help, and they don't expect somebody to be a little bit defiant and go go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. go with fuck your yourself bullshit. with this. I don't. That's not what I need. That doesn't help me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't help me for you to do that. And here's another thing that doesn't help me: um, to come over and look at me and tilt your head and go hi. <laughs> like like as if I, this is my last day yeah. on earth. Yeah, I need people to come in and go. Hey, yeah. what, what should we eat, or what do you want to yeah. talk about? Or hey, let's, you know, I have a joke for you. Mm. People mm-hmm. would come over and sing songs or do dances. I mean, it was truly, it, it was amazing mm-hmm. to get to. I felt like uh, Jimmy Stewart at the end of "It's a Wonderful Life" oh, when the whole nice. town comes yeah. over and pitches in. And then also another humiliating thing as an Asian woman who had had tons of success in the entertainment industry before getting cancer, that I went half a million dollars into debt mm-hmm. because of all the cancer things I did that were not covered by insurance mm. combined with my inability to work right right so people started throwing financial fundraisers for me oh. which was more i was mortified i said no that's, that's not happening yeah. what am i'm not a pathetic charity case and they would say when you've gone and done charitable things for people yeah. do you think they're pathetic no or they just need no. help mm-hmm. and i'd say uh no, I don't think they're pathetic. So mm-hmm. why are you pathetic? Yeah. Because you need help. Yeah. And the outpouring, I would have fans in Bulgaria send 10 bucks through PayPal. It's awesome. Which actually sort of meant more to me than the person who gave tons of money because mm. they had so much. Yeah. If someone's sending 10 bucks, it mm. means they don't have have very much. Yeah. And they're still going to give me. It's wonderful. Do you know what I mean? It's and really so great. I think that's when I finally started healing. But... Um, and I think that I'm 51, and I think I'm healthier and happier now than I was before I ever got cancer yeah. because of everything that I yeah. learned yeah. and changed. Yeah, that's you know? great. And I'm really grateful for being Asian because, you know, they say black don't crack, but yellow don't mellow either. I'm sure people <laughs> think that you're, you know, yeah. 28 or something, yeah. right? Well, a- Asians don't do no Asian that's right. Oh, God, I like that one. That's a good one. That's a good one. But it's weird how it's just like, really, we really don't. Like, no. every, but, and then, you know, it even lasts, like, even through really old age. Like, it's, it's I know. It's cool. My it's maternal grandmother, Ooh, good. when she was 70, her, it just, it was, it was freaky. It's cool. You just couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's a good thing. I like it. 
So I'm glad that you're healthy and I'm glad that you're healed and I'm glad that you're talking about it. And where can people find out about like, because you're doing so many different kinds of shows and, you know, TV stuff. Where can people find out where they can see you? Well, I'm on Facebook um, and I have a fan page. Uh, so it's Suzanne Huang, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-W-H-A-N-G. And I'm on Twitter. It's because of Twitter that we're even sitting we, here. I know. We, we hooked up on Twitter, we up on which Twitter. is great. And our parents know each other. Isn't yeah. That, isn't that cliche? Do they? Yeah, yeah, they do. K- Korean parents that know each other. They, they, do, they totally know each other. <laughs> and I have a website, SuzanneHuang.com. And uh, I'm in a new sitcom on Here TV, which is an all-gay TV network. And it's called From Here On Out. And I play a crazy character named Davina. And we just got picked up for a second season. That's great. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's really fun. So if people get Here TV or they can go on YouTube, Here TV has a premium YouTube channel. So, Mm -hmm. Well, you are awesome. Thank Thank you, you. Suzanne Huang. And Huang. 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 I love that you put the H in, but then you don't do the ah. Huang. The Huang. (laughs) Huang. Because it's Korean. It is Korean. We don't have a well, we do, but it's not Huang. No, it's Huang. It's Huang. 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 Um, you can reach me at Margaret Cho on Twitter. Where can they reach you? At Jimmy Shelter. You can reach both of us at Monsters of Talk. We are every Monday on SoundCloud and iTunes, and you should leave us a review, and you can also watch us on YouTube. Uh, YouTube.com slash Monsters of Talk. And um, please go see Suzanne. She does uh, comedy and also spoken word shows around town, but you could also see her on TV, too. Yeah. On here. And um, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And we love our listeners. And we'll talk to you next time.